All right, hi fam, just a quick message, uh, quick update. We're in South Florida and the hurricane is on its way. Listen, this hurricane is looking like it's 170 miles per hour winds. It went from 150 mile per hour winds. And as you know, before the hurricane hits, there's always a calm before the storm. And that's what we're going through now. It may be beautiful outside, you know, a bit earlier, as you know, I'm recording the podcast late at night or early morning, whatever you want to consider. And so it's uh, it's, it's getting pretty scary. You know, like we, we go to Walmart, there's nothing on the shelves. OK, as hard. I got all this cereal and I can't even eat it because there's no milk left. No almond milk. That's the first thing to go. And all I do is drink almond milk. So anyway, keep us in our prayers. You know, keep Florida in your prayers. Keep uh, uh, Bahamas in your best wishes, you know, and send some positivity to everybody who's going to experience this hurricane because they're no joke. Okay, power power goes out, you know, damage happens, trees fall. And so anyway, Hurricane Dorian, whatever the hell his name is, I wish he would just get the hell out of here and go back where he came from. But guess what? I ain't Trump and I can't make that happen. So enjoy the podcast. And I'm glad you're listening. If you're a long time listener, hi, fam, I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate you guys coming in week in and week out listening and even sending messages so shout out to you guys i'll probably shout you guys out in the description where you can actually just copy and paste your instagram smart so just saying it you'll go ahead and copy and paste it if you're a new listener you a newbie what's up newbie how you doing (laughs) we want to say welcome thank you for taking a jump from heaven to nationals instagram to finally meeting high tv and feel free to take a scroll in our past episodes because you never know. You might learn something. So welcome to High TV. Your place for cannabis news, information, and insights. We hope you enjoy the show. Stay tuned and stay high. High TV. Now back to the show. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed the brand new intro. Try to bring something in to really match the vibe of how we feel as cannabis users. Relaxed, calm, maybe even groovy. (laughs) So anyway, back to the show. Now, what we want to do for you is give you a quick cannabis rundown, but tell you our main stories first. This way you get a big picture of what's really going on in the cannabis industry. And you guys can also you know, delve deep into these topics that, you know, this episode will be about. So you're knowledgeable, you'll know what's going on, but we're telling you the most important stories as of now. So at first, we're going to talk about Mr. James Jenkins. (laughs) Now, I don't know how they sound from Kentucky. I know a few farmers from Kentucky, but their accent just really hasn't gone down yet. You know, so far, they've been very positive, nice people. And uh, it looks like James Jenkins is a hemp farmer who has run into some trouble. Looks like he has some thieves stealing hemp from his farm. I kid you not. Next, we're going to talk about the three things needed for a Cali or California cannabis startup. Now, realize we just did an episode about what you need to start a cannabis business. So I found it kind of interesting how this story popped up within the week after the episode was posted. Not saying we had any, you know, influence on that, but just to make sure our info that we provided you was as 
informative and accurate as possible. So I kind of condensed those three things into what they really said. If you want to find the article again, I'll leave this article. Top three things needed to start a, Cal- a California cannabis startup in the description. And next, we're going to dive deep into the huge issue that affects me and many others that look like me. Black and browns in the cannabis industry. I mean, as you guys know, cannabis is legal, but not everybody's participating. It's like when you have this mansion party going on that was supposed to be your uh, after prom party for the whole class. But only those whose parents make a large sum of money are able to participate. If you understand, I'll catch my drift. We're going to dive deep into how some celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Whoopi Goldberg, and now notorious B.I.G.'s son, I didn't even know he had a son, is entering the cannabis industry. So stay tuned and stay high. No, no, I'm just joking. So, yo, quick cannabis rundown. We're going to let you know the top stories of the week. Maybe talk about it very briefly and then move into the same, same stories. This way, we'll know, you know, what exactly this episode is going to be about. We know exactly how to, you know, keep you informed. You know what I'm saying? Like how I listen to, to the flavoring, the flagrant two podcast. And it's basically gives you the water cooler sports commentary where you're talking about sports, but it's not like ESPN where you have a suit. It's more like when you're talking sports with your boys, you know, watching the game with a beer in hand, talking all type of shit. And that's the type of stuff I enjoy. Excuse me, sponsors, I know, but I'm trying to make the podcast a little bit more authentic. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, quick rundown of what happened in the Cannabis Week this week. We have California's Assembly approved medical cannabis on K-12 campuses. Now, as you know, we always mentioned about a year ago, year and a half ago, about how cannabis in schools can potentially stop school shooters. And so it seems like their goal wasn't wasn't to stop school shooters, but to provide medical cannabis to children in needs. As you know, children have epilepsy and have a bunch of other you know ailments, such as maybe autism. And these things can be remedied with the administration of cannabinoids like CBD or THC. Some children just have very bad nausea due to whatever ailment they're born with. And so taking cannabis throughout the day, whether through a tincture, most likely, these kids ain't lighting up at recess. I hope that's not what you're thinking. OK, imagine you have a kid saying, oh, it's medical marijuana teacher. Leave me alone. And the kid is like seven years old, puffing away at a joint, bro. But no, seriously, these kids have ailments. And so California passing this bill, I think, is paramount because, as you know, other states mimic California and Colorado when it comes to legislation. So congratulations to all those children who are legally now allowed to uh, have medical cannabis throughout kindergarten all the way up to high school. Very, very important. Next, we have the USDA, as you saw on our Instagram. Hemp now qualifies for federal crop insurance as you know if you're in the cannabis industry financial services are extremely hard to get and the reason why they're so hard to get is because cannabis is a federally schedule one drug and as you know banks are federally regulated so therefore they're not trying to play nice with cannabis they may flirt with it but they may not jump all the way in And if you're a large-time investor in a bank, you have an anti-vice clause, which prevents you from investing in, you know, alcohol, gambling, porn, and in this case, weed or any type of drugs that aren't pharmaceutical. 
So with that being said, even insurance is very hard to get for these crops. As you know, crops fall victim to, let's say, a unplanned plant disease that just spread throughout your whole crop because you started your crop with clones instead of growing from the seed, which is more likely for different you know, was, was more likely for widespread disease to kill out a whole population if you're starting with clones. Just a FYI. Fires. And in our next story, theft. So insurance in anything is, is very important. From your car to your home and even including your cannabis. So shout out to all the hemp, farmer who are, hemp farmers who are now qualified to get federal crop insurance from the government. They will allow you to grow hemp and give you money for any mishappenings. Now, fortunately, I hope there aren't there aren't any, you know, bad minded people out there or advantageous depends on what side of the moral spectrum you fall on that thinks that it's OK to burn your crops to get insurance money from the government just because you're not growing quality CBD and people don't want your stuff because it's heavy metals. <laughs> cough, cough. Some of you farmers out there. You burn your crop because you're not making money and now you get insurance. So, of course, there's going to be investigations to make sure it doesn't happen. But as we all know, where there's, going to, where there's insurance, there's fraud. Moving on. California cannabis tax. The revenues are still below expectations. As mentioned, Canopy Growth and a bunch of other cannabis companies are receiving lawsuits. Like I think including Acreage acreage holdings where because they're not producing the revenue that was promised to investors or projected to investors nothing nothing even near they're suing and they're suing i don't know what the you know outcome of the lawsuit is but i know that they're unhappy investors are not happy when they don't see profits because if they gave you 10 million dollars and that 10 million dollars is now worth 8.8 .8 million dollars they're very freaking mad they lost $2 million in less than a year, all because as a cannabis company, you kind of have to burn through cash to establish market share. But you think they care about that? All they care about is their own pockets, not the livelihood of the patrons that are taking the product, not the livelihood of those who are running the company. Investors' interests are only their return. So with that being said, because of this, tax revenues are still very low. Now, it's a coupled issue. It's an issue of these companies burning through cash and not really producing the quality cannabis to make people say, huh, maybe I won't buy from my plug. You know, even though my plug hooks me up with these deals and he, I have a relationship with my plug and he provides me with everything I need when it comes to weed. Again, I didn't mean to rhyme. It just comes out like that. So, California, to combat this allegiance to people's, you know, weed man, decided to put asinine 30% tax on cannabis, which is utterly ridiculous. 30% tax? Do you really expect somebody who isn't a celebrity, which I know California has a lot of them, and tech billionaires, millionaires, hundred thousandaires, who can afford a 30% tax on weed? I really don't care. But for most of California, who has, what, the second largest population in the state? I mean, in the country? Most of California cannot afford this 30% tax and therefore they are going and staying with their weed man. So California, you will remain to fall under expectations, be seen as a tax failure because your taxes are too high. You lessen your taxes, you're not making as much money per transaction, but I guarantee you you're making more money in sales because the taxes are too damn high. Remember that guy from the, the rent's too damn high party? Well, taxes are too damn high. Listen, the taxes are high in California. The people are high in California. We can't have both, okay? <laughs> we cannot have both high people and high taxes in the same area. I see it as unconstitutional and wrong. 
All right, enough theatrics for now. Last but not least, we have Gronk, who is theatric himself, who used to play from or used to play with the Patriots up in New England with Tom Grip. Tom Brady won numerous championships. The guy is loved for his personality. He is a powerhouse, as in he's that guy that goes into the, you know, club and is just jumping up and down. You know what I'm saying? Almost remind me of this guy, uh, this guy, can't remember his name. The dude from Everybody Hates Chris was the father. You know, the guy that played the black dude and white chicks with the whistle. I imagine Gronk being the white version of that black guy in the white girls movie. The worst reference and use of actor names. What's his name? Terry? Anyway, I imagine Grunt dancing just like Terry, you know, making himself look like a fool in the middle of the club because he just enjoys himself and doesn't care what anybody thinks. Now, Grok is entering the CBD chat. And the reason being is, like many athletes, CBD is very imperative towards their mental health, their internal health, and their external health. With that being said, you really want to make sure that these athletes have access to CBD. This guy knows that. He's an athlete himself. So, just like Al Harrington, who has his own brand, Replay CBD, has also entered the CBD industry. But it's not news, but I want to couple it together because I want to make sure that not only, you know, Gronk is getting media attention for his entrance into the CBD world, but also Al Harrington, who is an ex-NBA player who now plays for the Big Three and is a very big advocate in the cannabis industry, especially towards minorities. Now, that brings us to our story we're going to talk about after our Jenkins hemp thief story. I mean, these guys really steal hemp. He like, come on. I even think people steal hemp. But Al Harrington relates to our story that's coming after Mr. James Jenkins, where we talk about the barriers minorities face in the cannabis industry. I know a lot of people out there who are listening are, in fact, minorities, whether you're Hispanic, whether you're black, whether you're black, whether you're Hispanic. Asians kind of fall into that, too. But with that being said, we're seeing the issue of them jumping into the industry. And more on why and how and how possibly it can be fixed when we come back. Stay tuned. All right, break. Real quick thing before we jump into the, you know, advertisement and then jump into the actual real stories of this episode. We want to talk about the top three things that you need as a startup in California, cannabis startup. You know, we mentioned this a couple episodes ago, and we want to make sure we reiterate that, listen, the information we gave you matches what other articles are giving you as well, okay? The people who are actually professionals, who work alongside, who are lawyers. Actually, this tidbit comes from a cannabis lawyer, and I'm just going to read it now because you probably want to hear the intro, you just want to hear the facts. So, back to the facts, okay? Facts, facts, facts. So, the top three things needed for a Cali cannabis startup are... One, access to significant funds. Of course, to start a cannabis company, you need upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars to millions of dollars, depending on what state you're in. In the last episode, we provided you with, uh, or the last two episodes, we provided you in the description, the top states to start a cannabis industry. Number one on the list was Oregon because it literally only costs $200 for a license. Now back to number two, speaking of 200 you need state and local licenses. Now, not only do you have to pay to apply for these state and local licenses because county licensing is different from state licensing, similar to how there's a balance in power between the federal government and the state government where they all have their own governments, you know, inside the same thing 
I mean, you know, inside their state, the same thing happens on the county level. For instance, here in Florida, Miami is much more liberal. Reason being is my my Miami contains much more. Uh, what can I say? Minorities, much more Cubans, you know, much more people who moved in from other areas, even liberal cities to come live in Miami. Therefore, they're much more comfortable with cannabis. Cannabis events happen all the time and I don't hear any bad stories about them. So with that being said, let's go up a couple of miles to Broward County, Broward County, a.k.a. Fort Lauderdale. Now, this county is much more conservative. The people that live there are much older and are generally Caucasian. So with that being said, they're conservative, they're Caucasian, they don't like cannabis. Now, some of them will use cannabis for their medicinal means, yes. But in order to appease, you know, the local people of Broward County, the politicians are not going to acquiesce towards weed because the demand simply isn't there. But you take a coastal city like Miami, a very, you know, racially integrated city like Miami. Honestly, Miami is like the sixth borough from New York City, okay? So many New Yorkers move from New York City to go to Miami. Why? I don't know. It's just something that happens. It's like, all right, I'm tired of, I'm tired of the snow. All right, I'm tired of the trains. The bums are pissing everywhere. Yo, I just seen a rat that was bigger than my cat. You know? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, as I was saying, the third and last thing you need to start up a startup in cannabis in California is drum roll, please. If you can, you know, pat your leg or something <laughs> is reputable legal counsel. OK, and this lawyer says, as quoted, I couldn't I couldn't stress the importance. Excuse me. I could not stress the importance of finding an attorney experienced in cannabis enough. And she emphasized enough. The reason being is you can get a lawyer and many lawyers are now jumping into being cannabis lawyers without even having any idea. The only idea they know of cannabis is what they used to smoke in their undergrad. And so you want to find people who are really cannabis advocates and are lawyers. Those people who are helping the laws get passed because chances are they're passionate about cannabis and they want to see a change. And so they're going to be up on the rules, up on the laws, know everything that's going on. And you as a cannabis company starting up because you have your significant funds, you have your hundreds of thousands of dollars, a million of dollars, and you now acquired both your state and your local license, as we gave you an example with Miami and Broward, where you don't only have to get a license in that county, you have to get a Florida state license too, okay? You now have to get reputable legal counsel, okay? Just like when you see the guy that's a public defender that has his shoe tied and his tie isn't really straight, you see his suit came from JCPenney, you don't want that lawyer representing you in the court, so you want to make sure you get the right lawyer when you're doing cannabis because you are in a federal business, a federally illegal business, okay? So we're going to take a quick break. I made sure I gave you guys that information before I take a break, so it's not like I'm cheaping you guys out. But uh, when you come back, we're going to jump into the hemp thieves, what happened there, and how what the farmer thinks, and he has some quotable, quotable quotes. And I'm going to say in his accent, I think it's freaking hilarious, because a Kentuckian upset, oh my lord. And last but not least... Why are minorities kept out of this industry? What's happening? What other people think? And how we could possibly fix it? Stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by WeTube. If you have ever gotten your content banned, demonetized, or removed from platforms like YouTube, this is the app 
for you. You can make a channel for free and gain over 300,000 subscribers like the other popular WeTubers on the platform. It's free and you can get paid for your videos with a promise of never getting deleted. That's WeTube available on Apple and Android platforms. Again, this is a platform for censored content creators by censored content creators. If you love cannabis like we do here at High TV and Hep International, check out WeTube today, the platform for weed content creators. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hope the break wasn't too long because I miss you. And the first story we're going to jump into is about Mr. James Jenkins. (laughs) That remind me of uh, that viral video, like early, early in in the internet when he was Leroy Jenkins. (laughs) All right, all right. So Mr. James Jenkins, he was the owner of Highland Sod Farms. And as you can tell by Sod Farm, it doesn't really sound like a cannabis company. However, reason being was, not however, but reason being was he was a former soybean planter now realize a lot of us were speculating onto how legal hemp can literally help out these farmers who are struggling as you guys know monsanto is a motherfucker right i mean monsanto is an mfer sorry sponsors <laughs> monsanto is a bad bad group of people okay they've even gone the way of You know, being acquired, I believe, or merging with Bayer, who produces pharmaceutical goods. And so now they're going under the Bayer name instead of the Monsanto name because that Monsanto name is almost as bad as Voldemort when you go to vegan and vegetarian groups. And the reason why it's the name that shall not be named. That's that's not even English. The name that shall not be named. Better. So the reason why Monsanto is so, so bad or seen as bad in many people's eyes is because they're the ones responsible for GMOs. And not only are they responsible for GMOs, they're also responsible for literally destroying farmers' livelihoods. And this is how they did it. Just real quick before we get into the story. Farmers grow crop, correct? That's obvious. That's night and day. Is water wet? Don't answer that question. Monsanto also grows crops and what happens when crops want to pollinate and, you know, fertilize and create new crops or new seeds, I should say, to grow new crops, they send pollen. So when you patent a GMO plant, you patent the genetics that comes from that GMO plant. That's why it's a huge ethical issue to see if human beings are allowed to even have a patent on genetics because it's genetics, you know? How much control over what things you didn't make, but you maybe had a hand at manipulating, should humans have? But that's not the argument here. The argument is that when these Monsanto crops would pollinate, they would go to these farmers who were non-GMO, and because their crops were tested to have shown to have some genetics through pollination, of course, which you can't control because you have billions and trillions and trillions of pollen traveling throughout the air during whatever fertilization season and they blow for miles. You know, pollen is known to stay in the air, you know, in the higher ups of the atmosphere for a long, long time until they find, you know, the suitor, which could be some random plant miles and miles and miles away. 
And so these farmers lost their farm or threatened to either shut down their farm or get bought out by Monsanto. And a lot of them had no choice but to be bought out by Monsanto because they can't afford the legal fees. You know, farming is not as lucrative as it used to be, right? Due to these mass, mass growers and imports of these same goods. So they're now under Monsanto as almost like a serf to a feudal lord. It's really messed up stuff. And so with that being said, people saw hemp as that savior, as that godsend for people that wanted to grow hemp. Except for Josh Jenkins, okay? Josh, I mean, James Jenkins. James Jenkins was a soybean planter, right? He had 525 acres, okay? 525 acres is a lot of damn acres, I'm telling you, okay? He was growing this hemp right in the middle of Kentucky. But guess what? Mr. James Jenkins had a little issue. His issue was thieves were stealing his hemp crops. Can you believe it? They were stealing his hemp crops. Now, I reckon... <laughs> I reckon these thieves thought that hemp was marijuana and they were going to steal it and either get high or make a bag of money. But as soon as they sold that first batch of flour, people would like look at them like, yeah, what? I can't even I can't even keep it up. People would look at them like, yo, what the hell is this? Right. Because if you look at if you look at uh, especially hemp grown outside, especially hemp flour, and you compare it to today's, you know, jacked out maxed out five-star mvp weed that's super crystally smells amazing it's just beautiful to look at really and compare that to agricultural hemp it looks like you have mids in your hand which essentially some of these hot genetics are hot means in hemp when the thc is above the legal limit of 0.30 or 0.03 percent for those who are international don't know when they say yo man oh hey buddy this this hemp is hot i, I don't want to touch it too much THC there. People worry that police would, you know, arrest them for selling THC at the top because at the end of the day, that means you're selling just weed and that could be a federal crime. You know what I'm saying? So with that being said, James Jenkins said that he was in the process of installing cameras at his property. And now that the thieves have come back for more multiple times, he will hire armed guards to deter the thieves. Now, anybody that's growing weed, you know you want to you know, get thieves out of your hair, especially if it's weed that's very valuable, THC I'm talking about. But if you're growing hemp, you're not really thinking of thieves plotting against your hemp field, right? Because it's more mainly either industrial or grown for CBD. But now that CBD is literally everywhere, CBD is now, um, uh, hemp is much more of a lucrative and sought after plant. So back to his notable quotes. I mean, I feel bad for James Jenkins. I know how hard it is to be a farmer, especially one that's struggling and then have thieves come and mess up, you know, your profits and losses, mess up your potential earnings. That's just heartbreaking. I mean, this is a common story, honestly. I've seen hemp thieves, you know, stories pass by, but I really thought I shouldn't report them, but I think I'm going to start. They're kind of funny in some ways. So Josh Jenkins says when they asked him what, what was he going to do after these hemp thieves come back, he said, listen, we're going to take them or we're going to get them on a the camera. And if we don't, they're going to get shot. <laughs> I mean, yo, he says we're going to get them on camera. And if we don't, we're going to get them shot. Like that guy sounds pissed off. And I'm just continuing on with more quotes from this interview he had. He said, it's very labor intensive and requires a lot of weed pulling. Now, if you don't know. Weed still grows even when it grows amongst weed, right? It's almost ironically poetic. 
where this guy doesn't really have much workers. He's a farmer. They used to grow soybeans himself with probably little help from maybe family and friends who work alongside him. And so the amount of labor it takes to grow hemp was just something he wasn't prepared for. And you could tell how fed up he is with the situation. Like, I'm growing this hard-ass crop where soy was easy and I was used to it. And now people are showing up to my crops, taking pictures. They all up on Instagram taking selfies. I found myself tagged in a Snapchat. I don't even have a Snapchat. And now they're stealing my stuff. Man, yo, he even said, he even said, I can't find anybody to work. I don't want to do this. <laughs> like you can hear the stress in this man's voice when it comes to the fact that he's growing this hemp. It's hard to grow. And 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 above all, to make matters worse, to add insult to injury, people are stealing his crops and taking pictures of it with location on Instagram so people can come say, hey, buddy, you see that guy down the street? Look like he got him some weed there. I mean, hey, I, I, I'm, I'll try to, even if it isn't THC, Jim, okay? Okay, Junebug, I'm going to tell, all, right, all right, enough. Enough theatrics, I'm getting a headache. <laughs> I'm getting a headache, yo. I'm recording this at 2 o'clock in the morning, just so you guys know. So I'm going to be a little bit loopy. So on to our main story. We have to make sure you guys had a bit of fun before we jump into this story that may not be fun because it's truth. And the truth isn't always the best to deal with or the easiest to swallow. You know, I mean, whoa, the pill is not easiest to swallow because it is the truth. I messed up that quote. I told you guys I'm loopy and I, you know, had a pre-roll before this. So with that being said, you know, why are minorities having such a hard time entering the industry? The people who have suffered the most under cannabis illegal nature, cannabis persecution, and ultimately the failed drug war are still suffering even though it is legal. Statistics show that minorities who ingest cannabis, who ingest cannabis at the equal weights, equal rates of those who are Caucasian, however, are much less in population, almost get triple or double times the arrests and the stoppage for smoking weed. So you have to understand that even in Nixon's reasons to uh, start the drug war, it was semi-racist reasons. Now I say semi because that was one of the many reasons he wanted to stop. Nixon is quoted in saying, and I'm so serious, Nixon said that these college children, these blacks are smoking weed and they're reading books. Now realize when Nixon was a president here in New York, in uh, the United States of America, there was the hippie movement, right? There was the Black Panther movement. There was these people fighting back against the entry into the Vietnam War. That was right after the cusp of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and his whole civil rights movement that just powered America. People were finally seeing change. People were seeing things occur. Their leaders were being assassinated, including JFK, who was seemed like one of us, who wanted to tell us the truth about what was going on in this country. And here comes Nixon, a good old boy. Who followed the rules, who did, who was very racist, did not like black people and also did not like the fact that these young, you know, Caucasians called hippies were smoking this weed and reading books. So he persisted to start the drug war and Reagan made sure he put his stamp on it to make sure it had legs to follow through. Now, that being said, 
we know that cannabis is legal, so there has to be something that's being done. And this quote itself is the reason why I had to go ahead and add this large section or this very important section to this episode. Okay, so if you're a minority, you are Hispanic, you are black, you are brown, you are somebody that comes from the inner city that have seen these conditions and have probably know somebody who gotten arrested for weed, gotten in trouble, had their life literally pulled from the ground all because they had a joint on them or THC in their system, kids taken from them because someone said i smelled weed down the hallway listen amy you're freaking nosy okay i don't know why i named the neighbor amy but it's the first name that came i mean a is the first letter but anyway back to what i was saying this quote is the reason why i had to put this on this episode i could not pass this story this news that passed by and not talk about it because i would feel fake i would feel phony because i look like the people that have gone through so much in cannabis i mean i myself have even gone through certain things in school just being around cannabis like you know colleges don't really play that so with that being said without getting too deep in my personal history okay two o'clock in the morning podcast we're gonna go ahead and read the quote that got this started Under one in five cannabis businesses nationwide are minority owned. One in five. And this is according to the recent the recent marijuana business daily report. Again, under not at under one in five cannabis users nationwide throughout the U.S., throughout America. Well, United States of America are owned by minorities. So therefore, social equity programs is what was come up with by these legal states to try and combat that issue, to try and level the playing field out. Not only are some people, you know, in the country given and born into wealth, just like our president, who have the financial means to go ahead and try any business venture that comes to mind, even if it isn't the brightest business venture, they have the money to do it. And You have to pay to play. Just like when you're playing games on your phone, you want to go ahead and and unlock all these levels easier. It's pay to play, and it's the same thing here in America. You're born into it, and it's pay to play. The best universities in this country is pay to play. And unfortunately, minorities like myself have found obstacles that, we, of course, we are all working around and just looking for a solution we haven't yet found to get around not having the capital available to go ahead and jump into this venture full throttle so what states have done such as massachusetts such as illinois such as portland and such as california cities of the like oakland san francisco los angeles those cities all came together to provide 10 million dollars in grants now 10 million dollars when it comes to cannabis startup isn't even enough isn't even that much of money i mean let's be honest if you guys already know off the bat without me saying how much it costs in florida for to apply for a license you can imagine how much money is you know needed to start up a cannabis company in those cities mentioned in those states mentioned massachusetts illinois portland and california who have implemented social equity programs how hard it is to take just a crumb of that piece of bread. That $10 million is a piece of bread, and I guarantee these grants are crumbs. They're giving them, you know, less than $10,000 or a bit over $10,000 to go ahead and start the company. And I'm assuming here, but I'm just being feasible. If you have a $10 million budget between those three cities, how much money do you think you're really going to get, you know? I mean, 
granted, it could be $50,000, but you understand what $50,000 is not even enough to apply in certain areas, okay? Didn't mean to drop a hint there, but whatever. So, it can't be all blacks in this country or all brown people in this country going through the same things. There have to be some people who have taken advantage of legalization because they have the social means. They have the money. They got the bag. They bank account fat. So is their pockets. Okay? <laughs> so, notable celebs that are entered or have entered the cannabis industry include, as mentioned, Mr. Jay Wallace. Now, Jay Wallace is the 22-year-old son of the late, great, Notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. one of my favorite rappers of all time. Notorious B.I.G. had flow. He had style. He knew, he knew how to make music for women as well in hip-hop. Even though he would talk to gangster stuff, a lot of his most popular music are pop. And in my eyes, I think Notorious B.I.G. and Bad Boy, you know, with P. Diddy, a.k.a. Puffy, Laid the groundwork for Drake to do what he's doing today. But this isn't a music podcast. This is a weed podcast. If you want to learn learn more about that, hit me up and I'll see what I can do. Anyway, the late the son of the late great Notorious B.I.G. launched his own cannabis company. Let's just salute for black ingenuity, especially at 22 years old. As a very young age to start a company. And I wish him all the best, you know, and all the all the good mojo, juju that he needs to be successful in this industry. Because as you know, it is a difficult task, no matter what color you are. It is a difficult task, but it's even harder if you're not the right color. So his company is called Think Big, right? That's T-H-I-N-C-K-B-I-G. Very appropriate. Think Big. And Think Big aims to not only just sell cannabis, you know, it also wants to donate or has donated portion of their proceeds to the California Prison Arts Program. As you know, arts isn't something that many companies, especially with those investors I mentioned, who really see profits as like crack, like profits are investors crack and their company is the pipe. OK, and if they're not Walmart, who sees profits all the time and you're not Amazon, who had investors going crazy, looking for their pipe, don't know what to do, scratching their neck saying, you got profits, you got profits. They're not going to invest into art programs in the city, especially if you're a politician. You only got about so much taxes to account for. So with that being said, Mr. Wallace, son of Notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie, is doing such a great thing in my eyes of donating money towards these art programs because it's needed. Prisoners need art, too. Just because they've done something wrong doesn't mean they're not human beings. And so having an art program can help them potentially exude and express any... Uh, you know, tumultuous, traumatic experiences that may happen while they're in that system. Just like arts in school is great for children because it helps them express themselves and help them to, you know, formulate who they are through art. But enough about art. Back to the story. OK. So. Stephen Hawkins, who is the executive director of the Marijuana Policy Project, he is quoted as saying, we have to figure out ways to fight justice. To figure out ways to advocate for reinvestment in communities. Because as you know, there's justice to be had. If the most if the if the numbers show that even in legal even in legal states, you have minorities who are more likely to get stopped by police and get questioned about their weed smoking. In legal states and in illegal states, minorities are more likely to be sent to prison and given harsher crimes for weed. OK, I've heard stories of people who come from affluent areas who are not minorities in college who have gotten stopped by the police 
I swear to God, this is a, this is a real story. Got stopped by the police. They just bought an ounce because it was about five or six of them. I mean, hey, if you can afford an ounce of weed in high school, God bless. The cop said, listen, guys, the car smells like weed. I'm going to tell you guys to go home. Be safe next time. The guy took the weed. The, the policeman took the weed from him. And let's be honest, the weed man probably just took some weed out of their bunch and gave it back to him. Because cops take weed to smoke it. If, if the cop ever takes your weed, right, and doesn't, you know what I'm saying, persecute you, chances are they don't want, they either want to smoke that weed and they're not going to arrest you because they don't want to do the paperwork. Anyway, that's a story for another day. All right, these guys got away with having an ounce of weed in New York, okay? Now, I'm not trying to incriminate anybody, you know, statutes of limitations or whatnot. That's, that's the truth in these white, I mean, in these affluent neighborhoods. I kind of pull the Joe Biden. Smart people. Are, I mean, poor people are just as smart as white people, too. I mean, Joe Biden, that was such a terrible quote. But, hey, you're human. I can forgive you for it. But come on, bro. You got to do better. So anyway, other celebrities are also entering the cannabis industry. You have Snoop Dogg, of course. You have uh, a cannabis award winner or, you know, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar and Tony winner. Whoopi Goldberg, very talented woman, has entered the cannabis industry providing products for women who feel pains you know due to of course their cycle so she's creating women-centered products that aren't meant about getting you high it's about getting you well and that's something i can definitely definitely put support and promote on him national page as i have in the past now even california-based cannabis company calvia as we mentioned a couple episodes ago jay-z who was just in the news about the controversy with kaepernick where in my opinion i know you're like oh he took the bag but what do you expect man kaepernick signed a contract okay no no excuse me kaepernick signed an nda just like stormy daniels and from trump who signed an nda which means the NFL paid Kaepernick to stay quiet about the situation, which, in my opinion, Kaepernick most likely got what he was owed if he were to still have a job in the cannabis industry. And that's what he was getting paid. And that's why we don't hear anything from him now, because he signed an NDA. And that had to be for tens of millions of dollars. Just saying, because if they're approved to be colluded, that looks bad on the NFL part. And that proves Kaepernick right. And that can even cause a whole outright a rebellion. So in order to do crisis management, they gave Kaepernick an NDA paid in what he possibly would have been paid as a as a uh, first string or second string quarterback and he said all you got to do is shut the f up <laughs> okay and that's what he's doing so now the media wants to portray that jay-z is a bad guy for entering the nfl because he's trying to make a business deal which would put him at a seat at the table like you do you really think that the nfl would take somebody in that doesn't have to deal with any type of business in order to say their opinion jay-z is now Signing this music deal, which is a music deal. All he's really doing is helping the NFL procure their music like like Jay-Z did with 2K, you know, back in the day. Where he's going to, you know, have his artists perform like a Rihanna at the halftime show. And he's going to try and make sure that the NFL isn't emanating any racist, damaging, problematic language and behavior. So having a someone like Jay-Z at the seat of the table at the NFL will do nothing but help the situation. Now, you guys read a headline and see other people who are notable getting upset about Jay-Z, quote unquote, just being about the money. But hey, at the end of the day, if you're really concerned about the NFL and Kaepernick, there's no Kaepernick's good. He signed, he signed his NDA. He got his uh, undisclosed amount. 
And he got told to shut the F up and he's shutting his F up and he's cool. And that's why his wife is out here talking for him. You know, much respect to wifey being a strong woman, you know what I'm saying, representing her uh, significant other. But back to Jay-Z. So as you see, Jay-Z is not only doing things up the community in the NFL, he's also doing it in the cannabis industry. You mentioned this a couple podcasts ago. Go ahead and take a listen. So he would serve as the chief brand strategist, something very similar to what he's doing in the NFL with music he's doing here in cannabis. But his focus is to boost formerly incarcerated individuals economic participation what jay-z's job is to do in the cannabis industry with with the company calvia is to just open up the door even if it's a little crack at first because of course you got to crawl before you can walk but even if it's a crack at first it's a crack in order to open the door even wider double doors wide open window wide open push it wide open for the fact that he wants more people who look like him who grew up in the same conditions he did to join his cannabis industry that is a multi-billion dollar market and has the ability to transfer wealth to people who have never seen wealth in their lives you know <sighs> man that was a lot so the question is why are people you know m minorities marginalized and face barriers barriers of entry you see the most pressing issue facing minority entrepreneurs like myself, like you listening, like some of your friends, is obtaining the capital necessary to run a business. Now, outside of cannabis, you know that it's harder for minorities, black or brown, but especially black, to get loans from banks to start businesses. For some reason, they just don't see us as trustworthy. And they say it's because of track record. And, you know, the track record is probably caused by systematic racism. And it's really an endless cycle, a vicious cycle, if you will. You know, and as mentioned two episodes ago, startup costs for recreational plant touching cannabis businesses. Now, that means those companies are cultivating and distribute cannabis can range from about three hundred and twelve thousand dollars all the way to being a two point five million dollar vertically inter integrated business. Now, it costs the, the, the same cost of a nice house. Most places in America that three hundred twelve thousand is really for a standalone retailer. If you want to just run a dispensary and just say, hey, I run a shop that sells weed. The profit margins aren't high. But guess what? I love what I do. I love the people I'm selling to. And I just love weed. So why not have a dispensary? That's what you're going to need to start up in most of these places. Right. According to Marijuana Business Daily. And if you want to run a vertically integrated, you know, business where you're growing the crop, where you're processing the crop, where you're producing the products and producing the brands and then you're also selling them to customers and dispensaries you're going to need about 2.5 million okay and that's according to marijuana business daily now these equity positions or provisions may help make licensing more pop more possible as said by steve hawkins let me not mess up the man quote because he said some great things in here drop some bars equity provisions may help make licensing more possible stephen hawkins said but but if people don't want to have the capital to actually operationalize, to actually be operational, to, to actually run the business, they may win a license and later discover they lack the sufficient resources to get their business up and running. It's a win-lose situation. It's really sad because these equity programs were created by people who had all the best tensions the best intentions at hand. They see the injustice that have gone on in these inner cities with where people are wrongly prosecuted or harshly prosecuted for their participation in cannabis. However, 
the equity programs are just not enough. In some areas, they say that it's very slow to come to, to, to par. It's very slow to see the change in the neighborhood. There's a video on Vice where an individual interviewed people who were, you know, black market growers here in Atlanta. Shout out to Gas House. I mean, you guys are in a CBD hemp game too. And if you guys want to try some of Gas House, who was a top tier grower in Atlanta and now an even top tier professional and legal grower in California, has now decided to grow hemp and sell pre-rolls with, you know, terpenes from, the OG cannabis, you know, all all of them. Okay, so shout out to Gas Gas House. But in this documentary, Vice went ahead and discussed what they thought of social programs. He is one of the companies who provides social programs and hires those people who may have been ex-convicts and may have been wrongly or were uh, formally and rightly probably con convicted of cannabis crimes. And he's helping them get up on their feet, get experience in the cannabis industry, so they they can move up. And ultimately feed their family. That's the most important part is feeding your family with cannabis. And something that's healing is very fulfilling. It's not like you're selling a drug out there that's going to make people hurt, sick, and not and ultimately not treat their ailment. You are giving people something to improve their lives. So kudos to them. And it, it, it really is something that is damaging to see that you can get the license and not literally be able to run your cannabis company. Like you can pay the 25, I mean, the $250 in Oregon to start a cannabis company. But if you don't have the means, if you don't have the money to go ahead and run that $100,000 dispensary, what are you doing? You have a license, but you can't operate, you know? And that's something I've run into personally when it comes to selling CBD products. I was super passionate about CBD products years ago. And I was making CBD products, you know, different kinds, hemp milk with CBD in it. People wanted it. And people wanted me to ship this across the country to Australia, to parts of it. Yeah, it was amazing, honestly, to see how much CBD was loved around the world. You know, we are hemp international after all. And to see people from Australia, from Europe, from countries I've never even heard of go ahead and order CBD, it was humbling. And if you're listening as a high pod, a high fam podcast, podcast listener thank you honestly you definitely got me uh through some tough times as an early entrepreneur however i didn't have the capital to grow the way i needed to and it was really just to play the long game to go ahead and just keep the business where it is save where you can so that you can make bigger investments along the way just play the snail mail you know going low and slow is the best way it is in cannabis right Come on, you guys. If you're a bud tender, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Low and slow is the name of the game in cannabis. It's the same thing with cannabis if you are not a millionaire. All right. So the problem I ran into was stores wanted me to supply them. Didn't have the means to buy the products, the production. I didn't have the means to buy what I needed for production in time to supply them with the, the demand that they wanted. And so forth. it fizzled out. And it's a bunch of other things there. But financial was the number one cause. And so seeing CBD now blow up is something I'm happy to see because I know people like myself with anxiety that can be, you know, altering of life quality be remedied all with the simple cannabinoid. And so if we, the people, can feel the benefits of cannabis by changing our lifestyles, waking up every day, you know, in the morning time or right before you go to sleep to feel relief from something that was seen and demonized for so long through the drug war, through everything else. It's only fair that those people who suffered under this plant with so much positivity seek justice and get justice. Because, as you know, one in five minorities actually run a cannabis business. We not only need them to go ahead and have access to capital, to be able to get loans from banks to run their cannabis company, we need the government, the federal government, to provide funding for that. We need lobbyists in our back pockets. These celebrities who have companies need to form and band together with a Steve Hawkins from the Marijuana Policy uh, Program, where 
You have these people who work first hands. Get cannabis lawyers who can pay lobbyists to get these laws passed. Because at the end of the day, we're not the majority in this country, okay? Maybe if you're Latinos, you're almost there, okay? You guys are out there, you know what I'm saying, with your moccasins. I mean moccasins. With your, with your uh, macarenas. Oh, my God. Let me stop. This is just bad, okay? I try to make a joke. It's too late. It's too close to 4 a.m. I'm stressing. I got anxiety. I'm going crazy. Mind my bad jokes, okay? But, nah, seriously, though, it's really really important for there to be social equity programs that really help people. Not only do you just hire ex-cons as your social equity work, but you're actually teaching these people how to apply their illegal weed knowledge and business knowledge to the legal world. Even if it's a, a place where they have to work up in the industry, you have smart people who have gotten arrested by weed. You know, the smartest people probably didn't get arrested, and that's why you see these people who are joining these companies and brands. But at the end of the day is, the financial means is very important. You can get a license, but you can't afford it. And the craziest and the scariest thing is who's to say that even if you have everything correct, even if you followed every rule, even if, like they say, you were that Uncle Tom black person who was designed and grown by their parents out of fear of being killed in the street for being labeled as all the rest of them, your haircut is short, you look like the guy Tom from the boondocks. I mean, I'm telling you, those people get persecuted wrongly too. They try their best to acquiesce and blend into the society that may not be as, as you know, accepting of them in, in some places. And they still end up getting this shit in the stick. Sorry, sponsors. It's probably the third one today. You guys are counting. <laughs> but seriously, these people, you know, are, are going through it. And it's only right that we provide opportunities like Jay-Z is trying to do with Calvia and open up doors for them. We have bright young boys out here who, bright young men and women, excuse me, I'm sorry for being inclusive. You know, black men and women who are intelligent, Spanish men and women who are intelligent, who not only enjoy weed, but can offer you an abundance of communication from a consumer standpoint, who can potentially sit down and take a class with the grant that you're giving them, where potentially maybe they have to pay a fee, then the government pays them back if they complete the course over a certain score. And now you're able to grow cannabis or produce cannabis or market cannabis or dispense cannabis, whatever the hell it is, the government will help you achieve what you need. So hopefully we're going to watch this close. As we said, we mentioned the cities that have social equity programs from Portland to Illinois to Massachusetts and California, who has multiple cities. Of course, as you know, 70 percent of California counties still don't allow weed. So just know that even though it's legal in California, it doesn't mean it's legal in every county. OK, wink, wink. They probably will turn and not bat an eye at weed, but it doesn't mean you can really start and get a cannabis license in those areas. So. It's uh, San Francisco, Orlando, excuse me, San Francisco, Orlando. I tell you, know, I'm in Florida. San Francisco, Oakland, and Los Angeles. And so what we want to change by mentioning this is to bring awareness to the fact that one in five minorities currently, under one in five minorities in this industry, own a company. And that needs to change. Given the amount of treatment you guys were given, moms being separated from their child for smoking THC from a nosy neighbor or, you know, potentially getting in trouble for having just weed residue on you, being unnecessarily stopped by cops. I'm telling you, this is something that needs to change. And it will. I think it will change. I think what's going to happen is athletes are going to open the door. Celebrities are going to open the door. As we mentioned, Al Harrington. As we mentioned, uh, Jay-Z. As we mentioned, Whoopi Goldberg, Snoop Dogg, Dame Dash. You have so many individuals, football players, who are entering this cannabis field. Mike Tyson. I hope that they don't only just sit up top, you know, their pedestal 
which is nothing wrong. They earned it through hard work and talent. But I hope they don't sit up on top of there, watch other people struggle who are minorities, black and brown, whatever. And don't lend a helping hand. Don't lend. Don't give advice. Don't teach what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Because at the end of the day, this is America and it's all about freedom. And even though weed is now becoming free, many of the minorities who participate in weed every day in some way are not allowed to compete. It's a rat race. And in this race, unfortunately, in the cannabis race, minorities are given boulders and cinder blocks tied to their feet as they're trying to run towards the finish line. While some others who are blessed with a silver spoon, not talking shit, not hating, just saying, have an easier run to the finish line. No obstacles, no weight downs. It's a clear path to the finish line. So if you're listening from an outside country, please give us a shout out. We want to shout out what countries are listening to the podcast. We can see it through the numbers, but it's better if you can attach a face to it. You know, build that relationship because you know what, Hi Fam, we love you guys. You know, you guys are, I've really come through week after week. You guys love the show. I love doing the show for you guys. I'm literally doing this two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. This episode most likely is going to be late because I'm doing it so late. So anyway, guys, as always, remember the quick rundown of what we talked about today. We talked about California allowing weed in schools. You know, now you have a kid in the back and you have a kid at recess, the coolest kid at recess, rolling up a fatty right before, right before, right before. uh, What do kids do in school? I gave a thing right there. You're going to have the coolest kid in school in California rolling up a big fat fatty. You know what I'm saying? Like one of the moon rock weed joints because, you know, you're going to be hardcore. Right before they study their uh, ones plus twos, you know what I'm saying? And it even goes up to high school. So right before algebra, you're going to have Timmy Timmy going ahead and smoking weed because he has MS. And hey, let him do his thing. (laughs) Oh, man. So moving on, we also talked about Al Harrington jumping into the CBD game just as Gronk has done the same. Athletes are entering CBD and I'm all for it because they definitely need it. Traumatic bane injury and CTE is something that is very detrimental. You can, you know, damage yourself, damage your family, and ultimately lose yourself because your brain is literally deteriorating. So taking cannabinoids like CBD and THC can help that neurogenerative process, you know, neogenesis from occurring, which can help you with PTSD and uh, any damage that happens to the brain. We also talked about James Jenkins, the old Kentuckian, good old boy, who went ahead was growing hemp, was a soy farmer, doesn't really like growing hemp a lot, says it's hard, I don't want to do this, you know, gets upset because you got some thieves that run up and down and steal his crop, it's unfortunate, I'm really sad for it, you know, honestly, James Jenkins was a good dude, he was growing soy, he was happy, soy is an easy crop to grow, that's why it's so readily easy, that's why it's so readily available, it's easy. Weed, you would think is easy, but if you want to grow good hemp, you got to be careful. You got weeds that's growing, and you got James Jenkins. Oh, poor James Jenkins doesn't have the employees to pick the weed, so he's doing himself, and he's tired, and he's so sick and tired of dealing with the fact that hemp is such a hard crop that he's learning on the fly and, and having headaches and frustrations like his day one of growing soy to only have guys come and steal your hemp plants. He says people are outside his his. Uh, farm taking pictures and of course they got geolocations as mentioned all you need is one bad actor and say hmm let's go ahead and steal that weed shall we (laughs) and last but not least we mentioned how important it was to get blacks entered into and minorities overall entered into the cannabis industry we want to tell you and give you the stats of how less minorities are entering the industry and perhaps maybe the saving graces in countries like africa that's becoming a new frontier for places like china 
who are relinquishing their almost slavery-like taxes and 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 and, and uh, leashes from France and switching it now to China. Let's just hope China is a bit more happy, and, you know, I mean, more lenient in growing can uh, these African countries and not keeping them on a leash. Excuse me, are more lenient with them, not as France were, where France literally does not produce anything but snobby. Well, wine, but anything but wine and French bread, a baguette, a croissant, and snobby people with cigarettes in their hands 24-7. They don't export anything, but yet because of their revenue made from taxes made by West African countries, excluding Nigeria, who is very profitable, very economically stable, has a high GDP, from the areas around it, that's what brought France to the first world country. If France really literally lost all of their money they're making from Africa, now... There'd be a third world country. So that brings us to our last story. As you guys know, we talked about why minorities should be in the industry, why it's wrong, what's so hard. You know, a lot of people are, are hearing this being said, and they're very confused as to why there's a complaint. Why is a mention of, you know, why, you know, they're, the, the, the basic complaint is you got weed moms on the Today Show who are saying, oh, weed makes me a better mom and helps me stay calm. I don't even discipline them anymore. I'm so more understanding, you know, like understand <laughs> like this is what they were saying like they did, did you go high on the today show but these weed moms are being commended for their 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 radical or explorative or braveness of coming out as a weed mother yet you have people who live in the projects poor areas getting cps called in them because they found weed in their system when being tested or somebody went ahead and said they smelled weed when the child was home that's why we complain. We complain because we know so many people who have gotten in trouble for having weed on them, whose lives were altered forever for a simple joint that's never hurt anybody. Tell me when a joint has ever hurt anybody. Tell me a joint doesn't put a smile on your face. You mean to tell me these people have lost their style and grace? That was on purpose. <laughs> that was a big reference. All towards having a joint in their car? Come on now. That don't make any sense. Got me talking like James Jenkins over here. Good people don't smoke cannabis. Old Jeff Sessions. Thank you. Thank God he's out of office. And we even mentioned some celebrities who are in the cannabis industry. Most notable, Mr. Wallace, son of the late great Notorious B.I.G., who passed away doing a drive-by. Unfortunately, our God rest his soul, one of the best rappers in the world, in my opinion, ever. His son started a company called Think Big that all aims to donate proceeds to places like the California prison arts program and also allow open doors to hire, you know, minorities who have gone through the weed process in the past, who are knowledgeable and skillful. So kudos to that young black man at 22 starting his own cannabis company. And just one of them to know if you're listening, you're aspiring from afar, not only us, but also our high fam listeners. Listen, these are the best fans and fans in the world. These are the best fam in the world, not fans. F-A-M-S. Okay. These guys come through on Instagram. They listen on the podcast. They share it with their friends. They subscribe you know people listen to podcasts and never subscribe they just search the name every time they even rate this podcast five stars so just know that high fam is the best family out here because guess what we're all in the cannabis industry we're all in the cannabis industry together sorry about that hold on Yo, I don't know if you heard that shit, but I heard that. Something just went boom, bat, pow in the background. I had to go make sure we was good. Because I don't know if you guys know, but there's a hurricane coming. 
All right. Just as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, please keep, you know, Hamilton National, our team, everybody here in Florida, myself, wish us luck during this hurricane. Because as you know, shit look real. So anyway, stay tuned and stay high, folks. High TV.